Michael Vonnen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek. Finally wearing my new Lord of the Rings shirt, Fellowship of the Ring. And in this video, I want to talk about some loose ends that Tolkien left in the Lord of the Rings specifically. Uh, and again, this is going to be one of those where I talk about the books, not the movies. So if you've seen the movies but haven't read the books, spoiler warnings, there's some things in here that you might not know about, probably won't know about. Um, in fact, I don't think any of these are in the movies, but it's uh, interesting because it's one of those uh, things where Tolkien, we know him for being a huge completionist. You know, he has an entire history in the Silmarillion for the Lord of the Rings. He fills out appendices with detailed chronological annals for the history of Gondor and, you know, all this other stuff. And yet he's still a good enough storyteller to know you have to leave some questions unanswered, and these are some of my favorites and most interesting ones to me. I'm going to do this in kind of a least interesting slash important to most interesting slash important. Uh, that's kind of a, a weird way to do it because those aren't necessarily the same thing, but I think you'll kind of get the idea as I go along. So basically what I'm going to be talking about is some plot element in the Lord of the Ring that raises a question that never really gets answered. And with that, let's get started. So my first entry in this list is relatively minor importance, but to me it would be interesting. It has to do with Legolas and Gimli. And of course, they start a really fond friendship after they leave Lothlorien because Legolas recognizes that Gimli is taking an extreme liking to the Lady Galadriel and realizes that he's not just a mouth-breathing bearded, money-grubbing shorty who, you know, you know, he's not holding that ancient animosity of elf against dwarf anymore because he recognizes that Gimli is not just, you know, some stereotypical dwarf. So they, you know, end up with this fond friendship. Now, in the course of their travels, they end up visiting two locations, the Forest of Fangorn and what's called the Glittering Caves of Aglaron. And that's just part of Helm's Deep it's a series of caves that are in, in the deep, but it's not part of the fortress or the Hornburg. Now, Fangorn, of course, appeals to Legolas because he's a woodland elf. He loves trees, and he is also fascinated by ints. Gimli is not so fascinated by trees, especially the kind that might squish him for carrying an axe. However, he is very interested in caves, and he, after the Battle of the Helm's Deep, he comes out of the glittering caves of Aglarond, and waxes poetic about how beautiful the caves are. And I mean, seriously, if you haven't read the books, go read the books. His description is very poetic, and it's weird for a dwarf to talk like that, and even Legolas recognizes this. So they come up with a deal. Basically, if they make it through the end of the war and they're both still alive, Gimli will visit Fangorn with Legolas. Legolas will visit the glittering caves with Gimli. We actually see what happens, sort of, with the latter. Legolas does end up visiting the, the Glittering Caves after Aragorn has his marriage with Arwen and the Fellowship is kind of working their way north. Aragorn is coming with the hobbits and whatnot to kind of send them on a farewell journey back to the north of Middle-earth. And they visit the, the, the Glittering Caves, but we don't actually see what happens from a first or second person perspective in there. We just have the after discussion. Basically, Legolas comes out, 
And the only thing he'll really say is that only Gimli can can do justice to, you know, the, the beauty of the caves. I don't think he uses the term, the beauty of the caves, but that's essentially the idea you get. So you get the idea that Legolas at least recognizes there is some innate beauty in those caves, and I'm just not the one to put it into words because that's not my thing. Now, you never actually see what happens when Gimli visits Fangorn with... Legolas. What you do see is that Gimli is absolutely terrified of the idea of living trees, especially living trees that can tear orcs limb from limb. So we know that they do eventually visit it because we see that happening at, at towards the end of when the hobbits are with Legolas and Gimli. They finally split up, and then the last thing we see of Legolas and Gimli is that they're about to go visit the forest of Fangorn. And even at that point, I think it, it even indicates that Gimli is not relishing the prospect, but we never see what actually happens when they do. Given the way their characters are in the books, I could see this being a very comical episode and possibly also a very interesting episode similar to Gimli visiting Lothlorien. Maybe he'd come around. I kind of doubt it, but it would probably be at least funny uh, even though The Lord of the Rings, the books, are not as comical as what the movies have made it out to be, there is a certain comic element to Legolas and Gimli's friendship. You know, they're they're the most light-hearted of the bunch. So, I mean, it's just really interesting to—it would be really interesting to see how that actually did turn out, but we never get to. So, anyway, that's my first entry in this list. So this next one is also about Legolas and Gimli, and also about Samwise. Uh, as, of course— we all know, it, whether you've read the books or the movies, you get, at the very end, Frodo and Gandalf and some of the elves sailing off into the west uh, from the Grey Havens. And, of course, that kind of represents sort of like going to heaven in, in this world. Not really, but kind of, sort of. And what you don't learn from just reading even through the end of the novel you have to read the appendices, is that eventually Legolas and Gimli are said to have sailed to the west on their own. Like, Legolas builds his own ship, sails into the west, and it's said that he took Gimli with him, Gimli being the only dwarf ever accorded this honor, and only because of his great love for the Lady Galadriel. We don't know for sure that this is what happens, because the appendices leave it sort of open. They actually say, you know, supposedly he took him with him. We don't know for sure that he did. So it's kind of an open question, kind of not. The other one, uh, the reason Sam comes into this is Sam eventually follows Frodo and sails on his own ship into the West as well, according to the appendices. Whether he ever made it to the West, we don't know. Samwise, of course, is a hobbit. Hobbits don't tend to like water. Samwise is a very typical hobbit in that sense. Uh, if you read the books, you'll get a little bit more of that than you really do in the movie. Um, but the uh, the interesting thing is we get an indication at the end of the story that Frodo says, maybe one day you can follow me because he was a ring bearer for a short period of time. But... You know, beyond that, we don't really have any indication that he succeeded. We kind of have to assume he did because of those comments, but with Legolas and Gimli, it's a little more open-ended because it's like supposedly because of his great friendship 
with Legolas and because of his love for Galadriel, he was allowed to go. But it's a really strange thing, and it even says in the appendices, if it is true that Gimli went with him, it's it's like, whoa, how did that happen? That 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 shouldn't happen. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those that the answer is kind of hinted at that, yes, it did happen, but it's not stated definitively. So you kind of, you're left with a little bit of a, hmm, makes you wonder. But anyway, that's my second entry, and that's really going to start getting more interesting. So this third entry is interesting, not so much because of what we don't see, but because of what we don't hear. And the, what I mean by that is, in the books, as opposed to the movies, it, when Gandalf uh, comes to Theoden's Hall and kind of gets rid of Wormtongue's influence over him, by the way, there is no magical influence by Saruman, he's not like mind-controlling Theoden, that's not how it is in the book, but when he gets rid of Wormtongue's influence and starts talking to Theoden, uh, they actually take a short aside and speak privately for a while, and you don't really know anything about what's going on in the conversation, but you do get a an indication that as Theoden's listening, he gets more and more excited or interested about what's going on, and it's like he's suddenly realizing there really is hope in this situation. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. There really is hope here. But you also get some indications later in the story that he hasn't told him everything about their plans. And if you're not going to tell him everything about your plans, then the one thing you wouldn't tell him is the one thing that's absolutely crucial to keep secret, which is Frodo and Sam are wandering around with the Ring of Power. So you have to wonder, what exactly is Gandalf telling Theoden in this conversation? You know, is he telling him something that only Gandalf knows about kind of things in the actual war, the movements of the different armies? You know, what what are they talking about? And it's it doesn't seem like he can be telling him about the overall plan of destroying the ring because he he specifically says, I can't tell you everything right now. Now that could just be a reference to he tells him about the plan, but he says, I'm not I don't have time to give you all the details. But even so, then it's it seems a little strange because what what details would really be important to tell Thayden in anyway? So I mean it's kind of a weird situation if you actually read that passage in the Lord of the Rings you get the idea that he's not telling him something fairly important, but you can't be sure what he is or is not telling him. And so it would just be really interesting from, from my point of view to, to really get into that conversation and see what Gandalf actually told Theoden, but we're never really told. And of course Theoden ends up dying and nobody ever goes back to that conversation, but it's it's one of those things where he told him enough to really motivate him, but he apparently left out something really important. And for me, it's always been kind of like a burning question in the back of my mind. What What's going on in that conversation? But we'll never know. Now it's going to get really, really interesting. So this next entry, you really do have to have read the books to really get a good idea of because it involves Tom Bombadil. Now you may have heard of Tom Bombadil, even if you haven't read the books, from all the griping fans who complained that he wasn't in the movie. I was one of those. I wish he had been in the movie. I can understand why they left him out, though, because he doesn't add a whole lot to the direct main plot, but he is, he adds some very unique elements to the story that, you know, it, it really doesn't pay to leave out if you want the complete, you know, story and the complete experience. 
basically the hobbits in between leaving the Shire and making it to the village of Bree go through a forest called the Old Forest, which, like Fangorn, is very dangerous and has kind of a life of its own, though there are no ints walking around. You get the idea later in the story that maybe some of the trees there are descended from ints that went bad, but it's never really made clear. That in itself is kind of an unanswered question, how all that came about, but that's not what I want to get at here. Here, I want to get at the fact that they run into this character in the Old Forest called Tom Bombadil. And this is not the only place that Tolkien wrote about Tom Bombadil. He has a, there's actually a book called The Adventures of Tom Bombadil, which is mostly poems and whatnot, and they don't really have a whole lot of narrative to them. There's a little bit of narrative, but we never really learn a whole lot about Tom Bombadil's backstory. We do know that he has been around essentially forever. We don't know exactly how long, but he's... Um, he is called by the elves in the Lord of the Rings the oldest of you know living things in that area of the Middle Earth. He's been around so long that nobody knows his origin. And that's saying something, because Elrond and some of the other elves have been around for you know so long that they saw the end of the First Age. So he's been there a long, long time. And he kind of lives by his own rules. At one point, he even puts on the ring, does not turn invisible. Now, that's not an unheard of thing, obviously, because rings can be worn by people without turning them invisible, depending on kind of their own native power. This indicates that Tom Bombadil has a lot of native power. And the interesting thing about Tom Bombadil is he doesn't really seem to care a whole lot about what goes on in the world. He's just interested in his own little domain. He's interested in what goes on in the old forest, and not even necessarily the entire old forest, but I mean, he won't he won't really leave the forest, but he has a lot of power over things within it. And the question is, who is Tom Bombadil? What is he? Where does he come from? You know, how how is he part of Middle Earth? What, you know, we know a lot about the kind of general classification of beings in The Lord of the Rings based on Silmarillion and other things, you know, but we don't ever really get a clear indication of what Tom Bombadil is. We don't even get an indication for sure of what Goldberry is. Goldberry is Tom Bombadil's wife, uh, or at least, you know, wife for lack of a better term. I'm not sure you could really think of them as a married couple in the traditional sense, but it, you can't really think of them as anything else either. So, you know, he's Goldberry is called the Riverman's daughter, so you get the idea that she's kind of like a dryad, but... You know, there's no real indication that there are such things as dryads. And so the best the best idea that I can come up with is that in some form or fashion, both of them are probably Maiar, which are kind of the lesser angels of Tolkien's cosmology. That's that's the best I can come up with, but there's obviously no clear answer to, to either of those. But since they're both ancient, they've both been around a long time, they both have presumably a lot of native power, certainly Bombadil himself does, they have to be something other than just human, and they have to be something that's, you know, immortal. They're not just elves either. You know, there's there's a clear indication that they're not just elves. So presumably there's some sort of Maiar that are just happy to live in this one little area of Middle-earth and not really get involved in the rest of Middle-earth's doings. But it's really interesting. I mean, if you haven't read the books, you really should. Just just because of the Tom Bombadil episode, you learn 
a lot about Tolkien's imagination just from this one little episode because it throws this, it's like a monkey wrench in the system. It doesn't really fit, but it does. And it's, it's interesting to see how Tolkien does that because he throws this one little thing into the mix that doesn't seem to fit at all, and yet it works perfectly with the story. So, you know, if you've never read The Lord of the Rings but you love the movies, you should read it. Read the actual books just for that because it gives you a really, really richer experience than you can get in the movies. And now I have one more item in this list, and it's actually related to Tom Bombadil. So, hmm. so what could be weirder than trying to figure out what Tom Bombadil is? Well, it's not exactly weirder, but it does raise some interesting questions. At the end of The Lord of the Rings, Gandalf has actually traveled with the hobbits almost all the way back to the Shire, and they actually think he's going to come with them to the Shire, but he ends up telling them, no, I'm actually not going to the Shire with you. I'm going to stop off and talk to Tom Bombadil. And he actually says, as a uh, kind of an aside, that he's wanted to talk to Tom Bombadil for a long time, but has never really gotten the chance to because Tom, Tom Bombadil is a stone-gathering moss, and he's been a stone doomed to rolling. So, you know, Tom Bombadil basically just stays where he's at, whereas Gandalf, because of his role in Middle-earth in, in trying to fight Sauron and whatnot, has always been moving around trying to get more people on board with the fight against Sauron and making sure that Sauron can't, you know, work his will in various parts of the Middle-earth. So he's never really just had the chance to sit down and talk to Tom Bombadil. So... Now he's going to go talk to him, and it's going to be a long talk, he says. Makes you wonder what they would have to talk about. We never find out. And this is another thing that kind of makes me think that he might be a Maiar, because that's what Gandalf is, by the way, is he is a Maiar. He is a lesser angel in the order of Tolkien's cosmology sent to Middle-earth to, you know, help humans and elves. So there's some indication that they have something in common if if indeed Tom Bombadil is a Maiar, but we still don't really know what they would talk about. Are they going to talk about things that have happened in Middle-earth? Are they going to talk about things that they both remember from the Undying Lands in the West, from in Valinor? What are they going to talk about? Because seemingly they would have nothing in common other than, if they are both Maiar, then they would have some knowledge of of what Valinor is like and their memories of it. But beyond that, what would they have to talk about? It, it seems like it would be a really interesting conversation to be a fly on the wall, but we have absolutely no indication what they talk about, no hints from Gandalf what they might talk about. They're just going to have a talk, and it's going to be a really long talk. You get the idea that you could probably learn a lot of interesting things by listening into that conversation, but unfortunately we're not given so much as a smidge of a hint as to what they even talk about. So, in my view, that's probably the most interesting loose end that Tolkien never really gets into. And, you know, it, you might differ in your opinion as to whether that's the most interesting thing on this list, but for me it is. So, I would really like to know what they talked about, and, you know, it probably would fill a book of its own, but I'm all for it. So, anyway, that's my list, so that'll wrap up this video. So I hope you enjoyed that list of things about loose ends from Lord of the Rings. Uh, if you've read The Lord of the Rings, what are your favorite loose ends, or what would you like to know more about? Uh, and on, you know, these five or so that I've listed here, 
you know, do you have any theories about the answers to some of these questions? If you do, post a comment. Uh, if you can, if you want to continue to get videos like this, you can either subscribe to this channel or you can follow me at JRRT Lore on Twitter. And hope you enjoy the video. Until next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek signing out for the Tolkien Lore channel. Namadie.